de la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss why direct mail is the best kept secret in marketing. And time to say goodbye to Facebook's wall garden and building a next generation digital marketing strategy. Joining us today is Dave Fink who is the CEO and co-founder of Posty, which is a marketing technology company that has transformed direct mail by enabling it to perform like a digital channel. In doing so, Posty has unleashed the medium's potential and unlocked growth for its advertisers, delivering an average campaign ROAS of 1,382%. And yesterday, Dave and I talked about quantitizing your mailbox. And today, we're going to continue our conversation talking about breaking out of Facebook's wall garden. Okay, here's my conversation with Dave Fink the CEO and co-founder at Posty. Dave, welcome back to the podcast. Nice to talk to you again. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, enjoyed the conversation a lot yesterday, Dave. I think that really sets up our conversation today. You know, we touched on the kind of declining curve. We didn't say it directly. We kind of talked about diminishing points of return for digital. And I think that's really well understood and well published. And I will tell you that marketers have been working within the Google and Facebook, let's call it the duopoly, for some time now, and given how they dominate the digital space and the walled garden has been an important part of their strategy of keeping it alive, talk to me about how a walled garden works as a start. What's a walled garden? Sure. So in, in my perspective, a walled garden is a, a marketing or advertising platform that allows you to access users, oftentimes in a very targeted way, with proprietary ad units, you know, within that specific platform's ecosystem. And I would differentiate that in a digital world, right, from something like display. So you take, you know, Facebook or Instagram, if you want to advertise on Facebook or Instagram, you have to do it through Facebook or Facebook's platform. They control all the decisions. They control the algorithms. They control the, you know, impression load, who sees what ad. You have to use their tools. And then they own it all. It is, you know, it is Facebook.com. It is Facebook's app. It is Instagram's app. And those are really strong business locks. And there's a reason why they, you know, became half a trillion and trillion dollar companies, right? You know, respectively. Google's very similar. You want to advertise to someone through the Google ecosystem. You have to do it through Google. That is it. They control the data. The data doesn't get outside of the platform. You can't access the platform. You want performance reporting. You log into their platform. They tell you, you know, the results of the campaigns from their, you know, mind's eye. If you think about like display advertising, display is, you know, a banner ad that you're using a third-party platform, the ad server of your choice to connect impressions on a specific website or mobile app. 
based on you know an individual that you're able to target using any you know any of your own first party data or third party data so that's you know across the web no one owns the web it's a series of millions and millions of potential ad impressions and hundreds of millions of of individuals and and that the core difference is that when you're a walled garden you know you you control everything including you know much of how pricing works much of how targeting works and not to go too deep early on, but you know, for, for those marketers who have been around at least a decade, you, you remember the days when you know, Facebook was nascent and darling. And I think the first time that all of a sudden we all kind of took a, a step back and went, huh, maybe they're not so innocent after all, was you know, for years they encouraged all of us to spend millions, sometimes tens of millions of dollars building our fan pages, building the what became the Facebook ecosystem, right? It wasn't just friends at that point. Now it was business and service and content pages. And we were all paying to build, you know, build our like count, build our fans, and they promised us distribution. If only we would, you know, invest in in building, you know, our presence on on their platform. We did that. And then all of a sudden they come out and and unabashedly, you know, published a statement. Hey, we're now putting an algorithm in place. And by the way, all of those that you know, those millions of dollars you spent building your communities, yeah, if you want to you know, now publish content to those communities, you have to pay. So now they started charging us, you know, basically tolls or taxes in order to reach the people we already paid to, you know, build an ecosystem around, which created the value that Facebook was able to to capture. You know, that was that was step one, and and that was that was kind of one of those wowzer moments and you know look with that being said we're advertisers we still have an obligation to figure out how to grow our business and you're gonna you can erase you know what happened yesterday and think about what's best for your business today and tomorrow and in the future but we all started taking pause and said okay we got to keep our eye on this facebook thing a little bit and it didn't get better over time It, it certainly got more powerful and and we became more dependent so Maybe a little bit deeper answer to the question than than you expected for, but but something we think very deeply about. So the quick summary here is that what we have is Facebook and Google, and today we're going to dig into Facebook, but they're selling their own inventory, and they represent the demand side, and they control the pot price for their ad slots. And on top of that, all these tracking pixels we've been adding for years and years to our website just makes that system that much more airtight. And one more thing. Google, guess what? No more cookies, right? So we have, the garden gets tighter and tighter. So we've described the garden, I think, rather well. How do we start thinking about breaking out? Yesterday, we talked a lot about direct mail, right? How do we start thinking about breaking out of those wall gardens? Is it, is it simply a matter of embracing more divergent channels, in other words, more offline channels, or is there a bigger, better strategy to trying to break out of really this hole that they have on marketers? Yeah, well, you know, to reference yesterday, I, I, again, you know, we talked about kind of the components of, you know, building your marketing stack really, you know, authentically. And, and, and honestly, like there were times in my career that I was definitely more growth marketing minded. And it was more about tactics and subject lines and button colors and, and, you know, where you place an image and what color eyes, the model and your hero shot should, 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 and, and those all, there, there's value there. And, and, and I do like kind of the behavioral economics behind some of those things. But I think over time, what we've seen is, you know, if you want to build a successful company, the best path is, is building a great product or service first. 
if you start there, then it becomes understanding what makes, you know, your product or service have value, why it's so great and being able to communicate that effectively to, you know, the world or at least your customer base. And then it's understanding who your customer base is and trying to figure out, you know, ways to, to reach those, that, that customer base without having to waste, you know, more marketing spend than necessary. So, you know, look, yeah, the wall gardens are so powerful because they, they give you all those tools but the reality is like at some point there's got to be a return. There's got to be a win for the advertiser. And, and I think that outside of just, uh, you know, kind of the, the layup that's branded search on Google, the other, you know, media within the wall gardens ha- at low scale, maybe have proven some past to profitability, but at scale, very few brands have figured out how to grow profitable businesses. And that's reflected right now in the public marketplace valuation of, you know, growth stocks, you know, plummeting and, and venture tightening their purse strings. And, and now they're the, you know, all these companies that it, you know, were able to invest in growth at all costs that are now thinking about, we got to get to sustainability at the very least and ideally profitability. And that's going to be really hard for companies that, you know, spent you know, their life focused on really one key demand gen channel and then one key intent-based channel. So to, to answer your questions, the, the way you break away, is you have to force your marketing teams and your rev generating teams to think beyond the obvious channels. And I don't think there's a single recognizable, profitable, successful brand out there that hasn't made deep investment in traditional media and, you know, and, and everyone's path is different. So sometimes it's radio, sometimes it's TV, sometimes it's, you know, it's connected TV or addressable TV. Sometimes it's a big retail and merchandising play. Sometimes it's wholesale, some distribution, sometimes it's owned and operated branded retail. Same way, you know, you know there, there were brands in the past that just definitively said, we will never sell through wholesale because we're a D2C brand. And I never fully got that. You're not a D2C brand, you're a brand. Your competitive advantage right now may be that you have, you know, the, the time and place that we're in gives you the ability to leverage your expertise in direct-to-consumer marketing, direct-to-consumer distribution, or that you understand the Amazon ecosystem, but nothing lasts forever. The one thing that, that, that holds true is that you, you, you have a product and service that is offering value. How you get that product and service in the hands of the, the consumer and how you tell them your story, that can change depending on how consumers are interacting, interacting with media. So, you know, look, number one, it can't always be about Facebook is working you know, good enough right now and we're going to be ostrich and bury our head in the sand. You have to allocate some portion of your design cycles, your marketing cycles, your marketing budget to constantly testing and evaluating additional channels so that you end up in a place where you don't have a singular fail point. Facebook doesn't or Google doesn't change their algorithm and all of a sudden you're rebuilding for six months iOS 14 doesn't roll out. I mean, I can't tell you the, the number of time our, times our clients say, you know, iOS 14 turned Facebook from working to not working. You literally can't make it work. Like that's like, if you're a business that 80% of your demand gen budget is on Facebook, that's a problem. So you have to make that investment and you have to be willing to stick with it for a while until you find, you know, the right way to leverage those channels from an, an addressability perspective, from a messaging perspective, a frequency perspective, an executional perspective. In many ways, we're talking about diversification of channels. We're talking about offline. And I think that, you know, as we're talking here, I, I feel like the one example I'd give to the 
B2B revenue leaders out there listening in as an example of a really effective kind of bridge out of those walled gardens is intent data. Uh, and we've seen a lot of success in the B2B area with, and again, I'm not going to pick favorites here, but Bumpor and Sixth Sense are the two that come to mind. And in many ways, they're a data aggregation service that uses really clever algorithms and frankly, your own ICP. So identify folks that have interest well before they hit that walled garden. But in, ways, in many ways, they're scraping from some of those walled gardens as well. So there are ways to get out. But what it sounds like, Dave, is that in some of what we're saying is on balance, those walled gardens aren't bad, right? They're performative, right? It's not, they're not the evil empire that we need to conquer. What we're saying is over time, you've hit that point, diminishing returns, talked about, by the way, iOS and its impact on Facebook. But at the end of the day, we're talking about just building a great product, building a great brand, but then looking at diversification and other ways of kind of reconsidering how you're going to market. And I have to say, I feel like offline media, I've had friends who have worked in offline media and selling offline media, the inventory is high and the costs are relatively low. Anything else you'd like to add for those folks thinking about breaking out? Any other tips at this point? Well, first of all, I think Facebook may may have you know, finally proven that they they are the evil empire. It is, it is very much. <laughs> well, okay, we got we got to drill on that one. So why is why is Facebook the evil empire? Well, first of all, like I, I lumped you know Facebook and Google together, but I think they've shown very different DNA over the years, right? Google's you know do no harm or whatnot. I mean, they, they push utilities. They generally have led the way in privacy and data security. They've taken a consumer first approach to almost everything they do, which is what makes their you know, products and services, whether it's, you know, their, their flagship search product or whether it's their maps product or, you know, even YouTube to, to some extent. Facebook, I think, has unabashedly, you know, illustrated that their whole goal is to addict, you know, users so that they can, you know, monetize those impressions any way possible. They've been generally a stifling combatant of innovation, anything that they see that they like. They will, un, you know, unleash a war against and try and crush rat that's not, you know, built versus building an ecosystem. So, look, I mean, Zuckerberg, you know, just announced that they're basically, you know, migrating away from, you know, the algorithm that apparently was so important to them for the past decade because TikTok is kicking their butt to some extent, and they're going to go and just rip off TikTok. Like that's not innovation. Like that that that's that's a bully. And I think philosophically. A company like that's bad for our ecosystem. I, I'm not the biggest fan of government stepping in and playing the antitrust rule, but if there's ever been a, a, a case for that, it, it's I think it's Facebook. They've kind of proven that yeah, they're anti-capitalism. Like they they, they want to they, they want to be an empire. They want to own everything. They want to control everything. I, I don't think I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist. I, I just I, I know how. And then as a as a user, I know how how gross and icky I feel after like. I don't even have Facebook on my phone anymore, but I do have Instagram and I've taken it off once. I've never felt mentally healthier. And then I put it back on for a very specific reason. And I'm as addicted to it as anybody else. And it's, you know, complete mind suck. And it doesn't add value to to me or my kids. And, And they certainly like, they don't do right by the consumer and they don't do right by the advertiser. Google at least does right by the the consumer. Yeah, I think we can make a case for some of the evil that Google has done, to be sure. But to dogpile on just a wee bit here, a couple of things I'd point to as well to kind of enforce your point around Facebook. The first is 
the leak from Reuters with uh, <laughs> Zuckerberg basically saying, you're fodder to the employees. Really, what a horribly negative message that was. I can't believe that folks want to continue to work at Facebook after that. Boy, I was just blown away. Talk about culture winning. That's not going to be culture winning. The other thing is to say there is in history an example of an organization that in many ways I think Facebook copied, with, which is GE. And wait, wait for a second for me to make this point here, but definitely of the analog era. But there really wasn't a heck of a lot of innovation coming out of GE for a really long time, right? They were acquiring and or just trying to be number two if they could in a number of areas. And you could buy a light bulb, a refrigerator a freight train, right, from GE. And over time, that business model crumbled. So I think there is hope that that model will fall apart for Facebook. And I agree. I think it's icky. The experience is not great. And, and funny, if you talk to millennials, what they will tell you is that Facebook is a mausoleum. All right. Well, hey, I want to dig in a bit more and talk about next generation platforms. Dave, will you rejoin me one more time? I'd love to. Fantastic. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Dave Fink, the CEO and co-founder of Posty, for joining us in part three of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Dave and I are going to dig in and talk about marketing platforms, the next generation. Just one more link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, shame on you. Head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.